calling all consumer goods, business owners, and marketing professionals. Does planning content ahead of time stress you out? Do you want to run Instagram and Facebook ads, but just aren't sure where to start? If your answer is yes and yes, then our mini course was made for you. It's 100% free and packed with essential tactics that you can implement as soon as today. To join in, visit our website at umaimarketing.com slash mini course. All right, let's get on with the pod. Welcome to the Umai Social Circle, where we talk consumer goods tips to help business owners and marketers grow. We're Allison and Karen, co-founders of Umai Marketing, and we're being joined with Sari Kimball, coach and founder of Food Business Success. Welcome, Sari. How are you? I'm amazing. Thanks for having me today. I'm really excited to be here. We're excited as well. So let's just jump right into your background. I'd love to hear how you got into coaching in the food business in general. Yeah, I will uh, try to keep that short, but um, I like to say I've had every position just about in the CPG industry. I um, started this career well a long time ago as server and worked in restaurants, front and back of house, but um I started working for a farm in 20, 2009, and I was selling wholesale into retail and restaurants and Whole Foods. And so I kind of was on that side. And then I went over to the other side and started working for Whole Foods Market, uh, started out as a buyer, um, went to the regional office, and I was helping local brands onboard and finding local brands to bring into the stores and really helping them be more successful. Um, because they were so excited to be on the shelves, but then it's like, I always say like, it's it's like, you just started when you got on the shelf. Now we got to get you off the shelf. Um, and that, so that's a whole journey in that, in that area. And then I was a marketing director for the third, uh, largest grossing store in the Rocky mountain region at whole foods and, and local food was really my focus and my passion, Again, helping those small brands get off the shelf into people's carts. So when I left Whole Foods, I started um, my own thing. I, I started, well, as I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do <laughs> after leaving Whole Foods, I um, I started managing a commissary kitchen that a friend ran. And I was meeting with all these want-to-be entrepreneurs. They were bright-eyed and idealistic and excited and they just wanted me to sign this piece of paper that said, yes, you can work in this kitchen. And I would start asking them all these questions about their business and um, you know, just kind of the foundation pieces. And they would look at me like, can you just sign this piece of paper? <laughs> but I realized that this was like my niche. This was, these were the people I really wanted to serve. And I was like, how do I go about doing that? Because, you know, when you're a very early stage entrepreneur, I get it. You're bootstrapping um, and you're, you're just trying to, you know, get this thing launched. Um, so creative food business success, which is an online program um, meant to really help those uh, early entrepreneurs. And then I also have Sari Kimball coaching where I really work with people who have a product they're ready to grow. They most of my people have never been in the industry before. So it's a whole new, <laughs> whole new area for them. So yeah, that's kind of the quick and hopefully quick and dirty of uh <laughs> how I got into this space six I, years later. <laughs> I love it. I mean, you I love your track record. You've literally done it all from the beginning to where you are now. And I just feel like that 
um, experience is just like so valuable and you're probably able to relate so well with anyone that wants to work with you. So I, I really like that. Yeah. yeah, we have such a tight bond. I feel like we relate so much to anybody who is in like small CPG because it yeah. is such a different world than big business, big CPG. It's just like these founders are grinding. They are ready to work um, and they have huge dreams. And so it's amazing that you're in this space as well. So how do you specifically, how does your expertise translate and help people in the food industry now? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I love it. I have such a passion for these, um, these early stage. And like, I always tell people like, just try to enjoy this journey. Cause I know you're like trying to get so far ahead and you're like, I just want to be, you know, over there. And it's like, slow down and actually enjoy this journey because you're going to look back someday and be like, Oh, that was so sweet. And I was so cute back then. And remember when I worried about X, Y, Z and how cute that was. (laughs) So try to enjoy this, this part of the journey as you're in the early stages. But, you know, the first thing is just so important that um, people understand the, the foundations of their business and they're setting it up, but legally and profitability, you know, with profit in mind, I think a lot of times people skip ahead to the fun, sexy parts like branding and marketing and social media and content. You know, a lot of people um, are drawn to that and they're like, yeah, let's get that going. But unfortunately, uh, there are times when I start working with people who already have a product and it's like, we got to dial it back and go back to the beginning. Like, your cost of goods sold and did you trademark and are you legally set up and, you know, are you invoicing or are you doing 1099s or, you know, some of the like QuickBooks and just, are you set up for profitability? And I think those are the the less fun parts (laughs) of starting a business. So definitely starting there. And that's what a lot of food business success is about. It's just, it is branding and marketing, but it's also how do we scale up a recipe? How do, what is our cost of goods sold? What's our path to profitability? Like, otherwise we're just running an expensive hobby. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Path to profitability. That's gotta be one of your taglines, right? Yeah. I use that a lot. Cause (laughs) I was going to say that just rolls off the tongue. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what I find is that um, when I start to do COGS work, cost of goods sold. So we're looking at our inputs and like, what does it cost to actually physically create this product? First of all, people gen- rarely put in lab- their own labor, right? So they're like, yeah, I have great margins, but they're actually not paying themselves or potentially paying somebody else to make their product. Um, but I always say like, when you start out, you're going to be at your worst case scenario, right? You're you're not going to be buying in large quantities. You might be buying at retail, your ingredients. You're not going to be as efficient. Um, but like I said, a path, is there a way for a, like, can we look at how, what are the steps that need to happen over the next year or two to create profitability? Yeah. I really like how, uh, I'm sure there's so many conversations where people come to you and they're like, we're ready to scale and, and grow and do all this marketing and I'm sure you're just like, hold on, like, let's go back. <laughs> back to the sure. basics. Yeah, let's go back to the basics. Make sure we got it right. Because that is, I mean, 
we're marketers and yeah, you can't, you can't scale if you're not, you know, your cogs aren't there. And, um, and I also like that you help them understand that, you know, how much are they putting in their pocket? Is this going to be rewarding and fun, you know, five years later, are they still going to be grinding? So um, that's really, that's really great to hear. Um, So what are the biggest mistakes you see these early stage food entrepreneurs make? Is it, is it those basics that you usually have to go fix or, or what else are you seeing? Yeah. I mean, it kind of falls into a couple of camps. It's definitely the basics, right? It's, I look at it like the foundation of a house, right? If you're, if you're layering marketing and fancy content on top of a unstable <laughs> structure, like you can add all the great content and marketing and all those things on top. But, you know, ultimately, um, you know, if, if you're losing money, uh, over three years or, you know, breaking even like that's not a very solid foundation. And to your point about like the grind and and the hustle, like it's going to feel terrible and you're not going to really want to keep going. Right. It's like, I want to help people create a business that they love and I'm sorry, but you're a business. So that means that you need to be making money. Right. And if every month you're just grinding it out and there's no profit, there's no, like, I can support my life, my life and my family or, um, switch out, you know, I, I work with a lot of people. This is a side hustle, right? They want to grow it into their, their full-time job, but they're working another job right now. And so it's like, we got to build those foundations first so that you can create a business that's fun and gives you the freedom, um, I think so many people go into entrepreneurship uh, and I love it. I love that people have the call of entrepreneurship. You know, I know the three of us have talked about being entrepreneurs ourselves and like, it's hard, right? It's the hardest thing in my opinion you will ever do. Like you want to bring up all your crap to the surface and all your baggage and all your limiting beliefs, go become an entrepreneur. And so, um, kind of going about this roundabout, but I think, yeah, the, the foundation of your business needs to be really strong. All the, the setup pieces, the legal, the financial, all of that. But then I think one of the other mistakes they really see is like the entrepreneur mindset and just thinking that it should be so easy. And why isn't this happening faster or um, kind of not working through your own personal growth. Cause I think entrepreneurship is an opportunity for us to become better humans and to grow ourselves, um, and have fun in this business as well. Yeah. It's not always fun, but it should, that should be a goal for sure. Um, (laughs) and there's that reminded me of something that you say on your site that I really loved and would love, I would like to hear you say more about it. You said, Creating a business you love requires more than a great recipe. It takes industry knowledge, strategies to achieve your goals, discipline, confidence, and massive action. Then you say most people aren't willing to do this for their dreams. Can you tell us more about that thought? I'm like, oh, that's good. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, I'm good at copywriting. Um, Right? So I heard a great quote of like, if you want to be in the 5% that achieve their dreams and, you know, become a great successful entrepreneur, you have to be willing to do what 95% of people won't do. 
right? And so, yeah, you can you can start a great cookie business or you know kombucha or what have a great product, but if you're not willing to become a CEO and step into doing really hard things, putting yourself out there, um, taking action, like you're going to fail more times than you're going to succeed if you're doing it right. And so just, you know, do you have the discipline to show up even when it's hard and even when bad things happen? Because the worst, the problem, the, the only problem people have in their businesses is that they think that they shouldn't have any problems. When you're just in that place of like, why is this always happening to me? I shouldn't be dealing with this. This shouldn't be happening. Why are there so many problems? I'm like, every business has 10 problems in their business all the time. You just get way better at solving problems and being like, okay, there's another problem. Like this is totally supposed to be happening because I'm a human and I'm an entrepreneur. (laughs) I love that so much. I think that that is so important for us to remind ourselves because sometimes it looks like everything is going smoothly for everyone else, but you, but you just don't see it. I mean, it's very much like social media and just having like this beautiful feed of amazing things that happen, but you don't know what's happening on the background. So I love that. People don't post their failures on social media. Yeah. Very rarely. Yeah. Very rarely. Compare and despair. Yeah. Yeah. Compare and despair is really tough. I mean, I was just telling you guys before we start recording, I took a group of clients to fancy food. And, and I said, before we walked in, I said, okay, I want you guys to set an intention ahead of time because everybody that I was with, all my clients had never been to a trade show before. They're all relative. Some have a product and are a little farther along, but some of them don't have a product yet. And I said, it can be really easy. You're going to walk in here and think, all these people have got it figured out. They're all unicorns. Who am I to be in this room? And I'll never be there. And look, they have it all together. You know, (laughs) I'm like, you got to set an intention ahead of time and say, I'm here to just learn and I'm here to get inspired. And this isn't about me. You know, I can't compare myself to where they're at. I mean, some of those brands, you know, been in business for 10 years or, or longer. And, it's really easy to project wherever somebody is at so far along. And like, you're like, I'm never going to get there. They're so much farther along than me. It's like, yeah. And, and you can use that against yourself or you can use that for yourself and say, well, that's really aspirational. And I see pieces that I want to do that'll like, oh, I really like that. And I like that. Or I never want to do that. That's terrible. <laughs> so we can use that for us or against us, but it's, it's really tough. And and when you be in a, when you become an entrepreneur, not to compare yourself to others. <laughs> That's such great advice to set an intention to combat those thoughts in your head. Um, I think that's something all of us can do, no matter what industry you're in as an entrepreneur. So, you did mention a little bit ago about uh, it taking time, and you are working with some want to be want to be entrepreneurs that don't mm-hmm. yet have a product. So what would you what would what would be your advice to those people who are kind of either haven't launched yet or have just launched and it's just feeling like a slog taking a little bit longer than they expected? What would be your advice? Oh, I love that. 
Um, time is, is our worst enemy. I think sometimes because we compare ourselves, right. We think it should be happening faster. Other people are doing it faster. Why aren't I farther along? Right. Stop shooting on yourself for one. It's taking the right amount of time. It's to me, it goes back to just your thoughts. First of all, it's like, it's taking the right amount of time. It's taking the exact amount of time that it should. Um, some products are just way more challenging than others. And everybody's going to have problems, like I said, but um, we got to recognize that like some products are just going to take longer and that's okay. So I think just resetting our time, like we always overestimate what we can do in a short amount of time and we underestimate what's possible in like a year or five years, right? We can actually get way more done but we often want to be like, well, in the next three months, I'm going to launch this and do this. And and then we beat ourselves up when that three months comes and life gets in the way, right? Things happen, pandemics, like family. I mean, just things are going to get in the way that's life. And so how can we be a little bit, maybe more realistic with the time frame and not set ourselves up for failure? Um, I heard a great, uh, a great quote, today that something like time does not equal your results. Right. And so if we can like, yeah, it's great. I love goals, right. Set a goal in six months. I want to be launched Um, because I think goals help give us structure and it's like, okay, I'm going to take this action, this action, this action, right. We start to develop a plan, but also like, who cares if it takes you nine months or a year, (laughs) It's just going to take the time it takes. And if we can release ourselves from like, I'm going to go after it with everything I got to do this in six months. But then I'm also like, so what if it takes me nine months to do it? (laughs) The end of the day, you're going to be like, I did it. I launched my business. And you're going to be so happy. Like, you're not going to be like, well, but it should have been in six months and not nine. Yeah. A lot of practicing forgiveness for sure in that. Yeah. A lot of self-compassion. And again, I think it's that we, we overestimate. So we just have a bad relationship. Like, I mean, there's all these studies and things of like what we think we can accomplish in one day, right. Or one, one week. And we, we set ourselves up to fail so much, um, in that realm. But then if we just stay consistent, we just keep taking small actions. You can actually accomplish so much in a year, or longer, but oftentimes we like do that start, right. Where we're like, I'm going all in, I'm going to do this crazy thing, you know, all these things in one week. And then we don't do it. And then we give up and then we take all this time to recover. And then, <laughs> and then we start again that way. Right. It's like the new year's resolution effect versus like, yeah. how can we just do small things and keep going? That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, at the beginning of the year, I'm like, I'm working out five times a week. I'm doing this and that. And then by week three, I'm like, I'm a piece of garbage. <laughs> and right? you just like start small and have realistic expectations. So yeah, yeah totally. Fine. I mean, I know you guys talk a lot about just like having content that is um, quality, not necessarily in production quality, but like just quality content. And it's like, I look at it like a body of work, right? Like if you take, if you posted every day, even if it wasn't the best post or you posted five times a week, right. And you were consistent and you just kept doing it. Like over time, your body of 
work is like out there in the world and people can find you. And, and there's just something about consistency, which goes back to what was on my website, right? It's like consistent, small action is going to trump giant leaps of like, I'm going to get it all done in one day. And then giving up for two weeks and not doing anything. Well, you talk about three buckets that you hit on with your clients, with your members about launching an idea. So the first one, and let me know if I'm getting these right. First one, product and business. Second one, branding, marketing, and then your go-to market strategy. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So those are- yeah. Yeah. Talk us through them. How do you, how do you walk everyone through those three buckets? Yeah. So whether it's yeah, food business success or my coaching um, one-on-one, it's like, we always start with just what we talked about at the beginning, like the fundamentals, the foundation, we're going to make sure we're on solid, solid foundation that we're building our business. I find um, food safety is another area where people gloss right over, right? Like what? Uh, FDA recall, like (laughs) record keeping. So um, yeah, like I said, your financials, your product, your cost of goods sold, food safety is a big one. Um, All of your legal pieces, uh, just getting all of that set up. And so I look at that as your product too, right? Like your business and product that like your product, you know, your FDA compliant with your labels, you're not making health claims that you shouldn't, your nutrition facts panels are the right size, all that stuff. Um, and like, are we maximizing your cost of goods sold as best we can with wherever you're at right now? Um, so all of those business founda- foundations, super important. Um, brandy marketing, right. That we, uh, we go through the exercises and the work of knowing who our target customer is that we get out of the thinking of like, but everybody loves my product and it's meant for everyone. Right. And there's so much resistance to that of like, but I don't want to just choose one customer. And I always say like, listen, other people can buy your product, right? It's fine. (laughs) Other people can love your product and be a customer, but you know, when we're talking in our brand, all of our marketing, and when we design our branding, we need to have a customer in mind. Yeah, I love. Um, I don't know if you guys have told this story before on on your podcast, or but like Lululemon, they have Ocean, and then I think the guy's name is Duke, which I think are just like so Lululemon names, <laughs> but like, but like they only in all of their marketing, they only speak to Ocean. Like, and there's lots of other people who buy Lululemon, but that's who they're, you know, she's like yoga Pilates. She has two kids and, you know, they're these ages and this is what she eats and this is what she does and her hopes and fears and family and all of that. So so people don't under, it's, I completely get brands or entrepreneurs sentiment of being like, everyone would love this product completely get that, but it is so difficult to speak to everyone. So you have to, you have to niche that down or otherwise your marketing, your assets are going to be, your voice is going to be so hodgepodge. And it's just, it's going to be a lot more difficult on you. It's going to put a lot more work on you in the end to try to speak to everyone. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It just, it muddles your message. It, I mean, and I always think about like, there are brands that I love, right. That are like, but they're talking to me. Like, that's why I love them. And the brands that are trying to be everything to everyone, it does, you don't connect with anybody. So pick a path, (laughs) be willing. So we, I work on that, um, with people one-on-one or in the groups. Um, we just really try to dial that in and get over our fears of like, but if I choose one person, nobody else will buy, which is not true. Um, and then, you know, getting the branding all aligned, your voice, your, your messaging, your keywords, and, you know, and of course, visuals are super important. Like, do they align with your brand, your kind of that brand identity, right? Like if I met your brand on the street or on a, at a cocktail party, who would I meet? Like, what are their human qual- qualities and personification? So just getting all of that dialed in, all of your assets, all the things you're going to need to go out. And then you have a product and you're legal and you have a great foundation and you have great branding and marketing. And, you know, I know I work with a lot of early stage entrepreneurs and I know you can't always, you know, afford some amazing graphic designer out of the gate. Um, It's an iterative process, right? And you're, you're always just trying to like, be a little bit better and get a little bit, you know, just a little, <laughs> little above, keep, keep evolving it. And so start wherever you're at. Um, you know, I think it's such an important investment to work with a graphic designer at some level. Um, I, uh, I was just talking with a gal, one of my clients, um, at fancy food, and we were looking back on her old brand and she had created it. She had some design skills, but she had created it. And now, you know, she invested in a design firm and it's like, we look back and she's like, I cannot believe (laughs) that I had that. It looks so elementary. And I'm like, yeah, but it served you at that time. Yeah. You did it. You got it it out there. Mm -hmm. Just get it out there in the world with the best that you can. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and then get it out. So um, you know, we, I put together a program called CPG VIP, where I just said, if I was going to create a, a brand, if I was going to become a CPG food entrepreneur, what would I want? And so it's my graphic designer, copywriter, um, brand strategist, and myself for like compliance and legal. Um, so, you know, just if you can hire a package like that or hire somebody, but just start wherever you're at, get something out in the world. Like, especially you're starting at farmer's markets or whatever. I'm like, fine, start with Avery labels and <laughs> some craft bags. Yes. Just get it out just into the world. start. Yeah. Just exactly. start. Yeah. So all of that leads to a go-to-market strategy. And that's where like, you know, we're just talking about farmer's markets or like, what is, what are your sales channels? Where are you going to go with this? Um, Markets online, direct to consumer. Um, are you going to go wholesale strategy? Amazon, you know, there's lots of food service is another one. Um, I usually say like pick one or two, but don't pick wholesale and Amazon at the same time because they're such big <laughs> elephants. Like you got to pick one of those. Um, but yeah, at that point, just just start and have a social media strategy. Um, like how are you going to, you know, you need to start posting and creating content, creating that body of work. 
Um, but you know, if you're going to go wholesale, then you need a sell sheet and you need to un- understand the questions that a buyer is going to ask. And, you know, how do I, how do I work with stores and be a great partner versus how do I go to a farmer's market and be really successful there? Or how do I launch a website or, you know, all the other sales channels. So having a strategy of depending on where you're going is really important. Curious, do most of your brands start with retail wholesale or are you seeing more trend towards starting e-commerce first? Yeah, I think generally I have people who like really want to start a farmer's market or, and, or like small retail, like, like online, their own website. Um, I love it when people will start that way, when it's a brand new product, if, if they can, I realize farmer's markets aren't for everyone and, um, it doesn't fit into everybody's lifestyle, but the more you can start small, even if it's Avery labels, just get the product out there, get feedback. I mean, it's basically like a focus group, right? You're going to get feedback pretty quickly in a farmer's market. Um, you know, e-commerce, I love it. It's a little bit product dependent, right? If you have a frozen product or a refrigerated product, there's a little more challenge there, but um, get it out into the world. Again, a strategy is important. And this is where like that science, uh, like thinking like a scientist is so important because I find people are like, I got my website up and they're like friends and family and everybody orders, you know, so they get this like, woo, and then they're like, wait, where are all the people? <laughs> like I built the website. And if you build the it, they, they don't just come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't just come. So then it becomes like, it's really about content, social media, but also like where, you know, how getting in playing around, like what else can I do? Like I have a client who, you know, he launches hot sauce and it's been pretty consistent, but you know, a lot of friends and family. And then, then you level out and you're like, Okay. So everybody has their hot sauce. Like they're really good. And then, uh, he like dropped off hot sauce at a radio show where a friend of his works and, you know, it's like, how can I get on the, like, get the, the DJs talking about this hot sauce, right? It's like playing around with different, um, influencers. Like I always say, like, start in your small circle first. Like, who do you know? Um, I have another client who has a a friend who like writes books about health and and wellness, you know, and he makes this like great energy bar that's super clean and plant based and all of that. And he's like, I reached out and he's gonna like try the bars and you know, you just have no idea what's gonna click. So um, anyway, that's about building your website and um, that's really important. So I, I have people that start it that way, and then I definitely have people that are like, no, I just want to go wholesale and like the traditional route that way, which is a totally different strategy, right? I mean, you still need brand, you still need content online and on social media, but it's a really different strategy. Yeah. I want to touch on, so you were just mentioning like the power of just influence and word of mouth recommendations. Mm. And I think that smaller CPG founders don't realize the leverage they have and like the, the opportunity really, because I mean, we've managed profiles with millions of followers on them and you see the DMs, you know, like, of course, there's some famous people who have managers managing it and 
like mega famous people that aren't seeing all of the DMs, but like somebody with 50,000 followers is seeing their DMs. It's silly to think they're, they're not, you know? So reaching out as a founder is so powerful to these people, especially if you think they have, they would have some interest in your brand, like that hot sauce brand of yours. Do they follow somebody who's like, always eating hot sauce or like really love spicy food and they're posting spicy recipes and things like that. It's like, reach out to those people, ask if they want to try some stuff. And obviously we're not asking for like free work or anything like that, but when there are true advocates of your brand that can offer some influence and awesome word of mouth recommendations, you never know, like you never know what's going to hit. And I think that that's something we constantly have to remind people. Yeah. Cause people really, they like, like I got to, I, I don't know. They think that their business and their, their growth and their, you know, and their business is going to come from like these people way out there. And I'm like, no, we have to start with like, I, you know, look at it like circles of influence, right? You kind of start with that first, second degree of influence. And most likely what's going to happen is it's really more of like the fourth, fifth, sixth degree of separation. It's like loose ties, where you're going to, you're going to tell your friends, your family, and you're gonna be like, who else do you know that would love this? Or who do you know? And then somebody's gonna be like, oh, well, I know some so-and-so who, you know, works at such and such. And like, that's where you start getting the the really interesting ideas and those circles of influence. So I think people are, uh, they're hesitant to put themselves out there. I have clients, my most successful clients when they launch are the ones that utilize their entire network and they tell everybody and they ask for help and they think outside the box and they go to think about influencers and like who, you know, keto, like who's doing keto out there? Let me send them some samples. And then the ones that struggle the most are like, well, I don't know. I don't want to bug people. I, I feel weird or. I don't want to tell anybody at work I'm doing this or I'm like, no, you like, this is the only way you succeed at entrepreneurship. In my opinion, like, unless you have big, big, deep pockets, right? If you have deep pockets and you can pay for content and you can pay for ads, but the people I work with don't have, don't, they're not in those shoes. People love food and beverages. I mean, (laughs) right? (laughs) Most people are like so excited to try your hot sauce or your, your new tea drink. You know, that's, that's exciting for people. I don't know anyone who would be like, no, I don't want to eat delicious food. That's like right in my category, (laughs) you know? Yeah. It's interesting, but that goes back to the entrepreneur mindset, right? Of like, you're going to put yourself out there and some people are going to judge you and be like, who are they to start a business? And what are they thinking? And yeah, people are going to judge you. Mm -hmm. So are you going to still do the thing or are you just going to try to manage the judgment of people? And I say, go do the thing, right? Go, go live your best life and start your business. And, um, most likely often the people who criticize you the most are the ones that wish they were doing it too. Right. So you're just doing the thing, but 95% of people won't do you're doing it. That's really cool. And I, I feel like that's why it's so important because it's, it's so easy to get trapped in your head and, and just get into this cycle of like, am I going to be judged? Are people going to think I'm weird for being, you know, just telling people about my life and what I like to do and things like that. And, yeah, there's probably people gonna who are gonna judge you, but 
that's why it's so important to have someone like you or um, have a network, a support network in general Mm -hmm. that you can bounce ideas off of and see other people who are putting themselves out there. Um, You know, I don't know where I would be personally if I didn't, you know, if Karen wasn't my other person to, to talk through everything. It's, it's so important to have that network. Um, and like we spoke about before, entrepreneurship is hard. Like no one gets it in your friend group or family, unless they are entrepreneurs yeah. <laughs> for the most part, because yeah, it, it just, there's a lot of different things that you go through. Um, so I think community is so important to people's success. I think, especially solopreneurs. And if they've never been an entrepreneur before, if you don't, you got to get out of your little bubble and your friend group and your family group who don't get it anyway. Um, and that's why I created a community group and we do group coaching and um, in, in food business success, but also just like go find other networking groups and whether it's in the CPG space, like Naturally Boulder, Naturally Chicago, or um, I'm president of Colorado Food Works, where I'm at in Colorado. But like there are other organizations out there in CPG, but then also like also business and entrepreneurship groups too, because they're going to get what you're going through, even if they're not in the same industry. Um, and I mentioned I took some clients with um, out to fancy food, and there was 12 of us total. And like we all sat in a group each day and just like had a couple hours of powwow and like the conversations and the connection and the energy that came out of it was just like, my heart was exploding. It was so fun. And, and like, now we have this group that's even tighter and like, we, they're all supporting each other and cheering each other on and, um, have ideas for each other. And it's just, you cannot do this alone. I don't recommend it at all. Yeah. And I, it's a good reminder that you don't have to, you absolutely don't have to. And that's not just meaning like having a partner in the business. It there's just endless communities that you can be a part of where people are super inviting. Um, but yeah, you're so talking about scaling a brand from inception to profitability. And you mentioned an obstacle being, you know, like when you launch, you have a bunch of friends and family of a lot of traction. You're like, oh my gosh, my sales are so good. I'm amazing. (laughs) And then the next few months you're like, "Uh uh-oh, what happened? So what are some other obstacles that you see the entrepreneurs you're working with facing when they start to try and scale? Yeah. Yeah, that's a huge one. It's just like, okay, I got to um, keep putting myself out there. I always say like, you think it's really hard to create a business and get the product launched, but actually the real work starts when we launch and we get it out there because now we got to go hustle. Now we got to go create content. We got to um, talk to people, all of our circle of influence, or we need to start reaching out to buyers and going and visiting stores and you know, I have clients that are scared to death about approaching a buyer. And so how do we create more confidence there? And like, you know, part of it's like understanding the terminology, the industry, um, so that you feel more confident to answer questions, but then also, um, practice, you know, sometimes it's just like, I just need to practice (laughs) with other people first and before putting myself out there. Um, but other obstacles, I think, 
there's an investment mindset that needs to happen. Um, and it's kind of a turning point where people are like, okay, I'm really doing this. I'm in a real business. Like I'm need to be a CEO. I need to step into this role of my business. And it's not just a hobby anymore. It's not just this idea in my kitchen. Like, wouldn't it be nice? Now I, I got to do the real work of being a business owner. And it does require investment. It requires time, of course, and then money. And I think one of the big obstacles, like people will fund themselves up to launch, but then they like, are like, I don't know. Like they get really scared about that next level of investment. And that could be investment in capital, like equipment and efficiency. It could be investment in people, right? Like, um, like, okay, I got to this point with my social media, but this is not an area of zone of genius for me. So I'm going to hand that off or a bookkeeper or, you know, there's other roles that you might want to, a co-packer, right? Like you launch it, you're making it yourself, but then you're going to look ahead to manufacturing. Um, but yeah, that investment, that is a total, um, it's a total ass kicker for some people. It's just like, they just want, like, they have a mindset of like, now that I have a product, the business should be funding itself and I should be profitable. And really, if you're really going to grow and you're going to scale from, you know, let's say, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, I'm making, you know, 20K a year in my business or, or 50K. It's like, if you want to grow to 250K or 500K, which is really like, I always say the magic number is that 250 where you're like paying yourself and this is a full-time job and you are really running as a business, which some people listening might be like, what? <laughs> I'm doing like a thousand every month in my business. Like that's really far, but it takes a level of investment to get there. You're going to have to keep putting money into your business and investing in it and probably more than you're you're making at first. So just get used to it. <laughs> Accept it. Go in. How did you get to that? Like why 250K? Is that just where you see most of your uh, members be able to pay themselves and things just ca- start like compounding past that point? Yeah. There's, um, I always describe things as like a stair step. So in entrepreneurship, we have like a startup world, we have what's called the valley of death, right? So <laughs> sounds terrible, but it's like, it's that time in your business where you're starting up and you you have not started selling, you're making zero money, um, you launch, and then hopefully the curve starts going up where you're actually making money. Um, you start figuring it out at whatever level you're at. And then, you know, a, like a Uber or something, right? As a startup, like is going to keep that trajectory going. But as a food business, we really, I describe it as a stair step. So you're going to have multiple valleys of death where you're going through peer growth periods where maybe you start out at the farmer's market and you self-fund or you know a little bit of friends and family. But every time you scale and grow, there's going to be a new level of investment, a new level of um, you know pre-funding where you're going to like, dip back down and be like, Oh man, I'm not making any money again. Unfortunately, you have a product business. And the way that that game works is that you have to fund everything ahead of time and then you get the money, right? You're not 
a service where you can pre-sell and then deliver on that service. So you got to put the money into having a product. It's got to be packaged, all the marketing, all the things, and then you can go out and start making money. So just, um, I studied under Tara Johnson for a lot of my financial background. And, um, she always talked about 250 being that magic number where your cost of goods sold can come down enough because you're more efficient because you have the sales to support it. Um, so that your margins are a lot better. Um, and you're able to, uh, be more efficient with your manufacturing and your time. And you're probably starting to pay some people like you're not wearing all the hats from janitor to marketer to <laughs> manufacturer and on and on and on. So you're starting to pay some other people. You're able to put the money you need into marketing to keep growing the business and keep the awareness going. So yeah, there's just kind of that sweet spot where you're like, oh, I'm paying myself a salary. I'm able to like hire some of the services or even an employee that I need, um, my, my manufacturing can come, come down to help create better margins for me. So, um, it can be a, you know, it's a really scary number for some people. I mean, in this industry, you know, I have colleagues that are like, oh yeah, they're 1 million, 5 million. I mean, they throw like, like these numbers around, like, like, yeah, (laughs) no big deal. And I'm like, yeah, my clients are like, 250 is like a giant number. <laughs> it is a giant number. I mean, that's amazing. Like running huge over 20k months, like out of a like people are buying your product that you built um because you were solving whatever pain point of yours because it wasn't out there already. That's a huge yeah. deal. I think that's such a big milestone that should not be overlooked and it's that comparison thing again. It's like, yeah, that brand is at $9 million years, but like how much funding do they have? How much support right. do they have? They have a lot of things that you may not have already. Um, Absolutely. And so there's, talking about- there's no overnight success. It's like a yeah. nine year overnight success. <laughs> yeah. Unless you have deep pockets and it's just like uh, so many people don't. Um, well, and talking about profitability, scaling a brand, you also talk about scaling a scaling a brand to profitability and fun. You say that often and that's like part of your process. Can you talk a little bit more about the fun side? Oh, right. Because everybody gets into this thinking they're going to have so much fun. Like, wouldn't it be fun if I just made salsa and like everybody ate my salsa? It'd be so fun. And then we let all of the fears and the judgment and all of our limiting beliefs come in. And so for me, that, that is the value of a coach. Um, I, as I've grown my business, I, I think we always go and we help people with the things often that we struggled with ourselves. So I was not a natural born entrepreneur. There were no entrepreneurs around me. And I was like, this is the hardest, scariest thing I've ever done putting myself out there in this world. So when I got a coach um, and I made that investment, I was able to really start learning tools to manage my thoughts and create more fun and have more fun in my business. And so that's really where I want to give back as a coach in that area. Because listen, fun is just a, a, a frame of mind. It's a thought. I'm having fun. Like I could be doing something I don't love, but you could still be like, 
this is fun. Like it's getting me to an end goal, right? Doing my weekly cash flow. Um, and there's lots of tools and tricks out there that can make like less fun tasks like cash flow more fun. Uh, so I, I talk with people a lot about that. But I think so much of it's just it's a mindset, right? And and so we can be doing all the things we should be doing, doing the how, but then we could be hating it. And like you're not gonna stick with something you hate, like think about a diet or a workout or anything like that. You gotta find ways to make it fun and that's where I think coaching is just the key. Like it's been the key for me and I'm having a lot of fun in my business. Not that I love every single thing I do, but I have a lot of fun generally in my business. Yeah. Once you learn how to filter out all the negative negativity, then it's a lot easier to have some fun. So thank you so much, Sari, for everything. Learned so much I love your process. I love how you work with clients. Um, Absolutely amazing. So could you, do you want to leave the audience with any call to action or how can people get in contact with you? Yeah. So I have my two brands, Food Business Success. Um, You can find everything at Food Biz Success. So the website, social media, uh, B-I-Z, Food Biz Success. And then, um, and then I have Sari Kimball coaching as well. So just started on Instagram in 2022. Uh, I'm a, I'm a little fiery over there. I kind of have two personas a little bit like food business success is very like, come on in. We're very nurturing. We love you. Like just get started. And then coaching is very like, we're going to get to work. Like we're badasses over here. You're going to get a little more fire over there. Um, and sarikimballcoaching.com or sarikimball.com. So I also have a podcast and a YouTube channel all under Food Biz Success. So you can find me in a lot of places. Awesome. And we'll link all those links in the show notes. So you can Great. easily find Sari across all of her many platforms and channels. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And it's been so fun working with you guys and and bringing your expertise into food business success and working with some of my clients. So thank you guys for doing what you're doing. Oh, so sweet. Thank you. We've, we've enjoyed it. Ooh, my social circle is a CPG agency driven podcast based out of Austin, Texas. We're excited to share more behind the scene insights, chats with industry leaders and whatever else we learn along the way. Follow us on Instagram at Umai marketing or check out our website, umaymarketing.com. Catch you back here soon.